The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwire.org.
this morning.
Praise God. All right. Good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm going to take a survey real quick before we get cranking here. And uh, now, before you answer this question, remember where you're sitting. Okay? All right. Just warning you. All right. How many of you in here are stubborn, iron-headed, and just flat-out will not listen sometimes? I'm glad to see some of you. It went straight up. And then there's some that the wife's over there kind of helping a little bit. You know, I get it. I get it. My hand's a heist. Okay? Take a trip with, with me real quick, if you will. And we're going to go fast. We're going to go furious. And we're going to drop the hammer on the pickup. And we're going to go. So uh, hang on tight. Buckle up. About three months ago, I had to um, make a trip real quick over to Winston, New Mexico. Anybody in the room know where that is? Anybody? Just a few. Winston is a small little town, kind of forking the road with a little store and a few houses over on the west side of the state, about 20, 25 miles the other side of Tier C, okay, in the, in the edges of the, of the Gila. And uh, it's 20 miles, like I said, and it takes you 45 miles to make that little jaunt. So that tells you that road is like this, okay, a bunch of 15-mile-an-hour curves on it and so forth, that last little piece. Well, I wasn't supposed to go on that trip. Kobe was supposed to go, but the last minute he had something come up, and, and, but one of us had to go. Somebody had to be there, and it was about 9 o'clock Friday night, and we had to be there by about 9 o'clock the next morning. So I finally said, okay, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So I said, I better get my tail in back there and get in bed, okay, and get a little sleep before I have to get up at 3 o'clock and go. So I did, and I went back there and went to sleep. Straight up midnight, I woke up, bright-eyed, could not go back to sleep. Laid there, tossed and turned and moved, turned the TV on, turned the TV off. Finally, about 2.45, I was starting to get sleepy again. Anybody been there? Okay. So I decided, well, better go ahead and get up. Got up, took a shower, got my stuff together, went out and made me about 55 gallons worth of coffee. Okay, because I said, this is going to be a caffeine day. We're just going to have to have it, okay, to make this thing work. Got in the pickup and blasted out of town. Turn it to 63. I kept driving. I get to Roswell. I figured I need more caffeine. I pull in. I get more caffeine. Now I'm heading out of Roswell again. Turn it to 63. And meanwhile, you know, I thought in my mind, well, you know, on the radio, got serious radio on there. I'll turn it to one of those comedy stations, you know. A little laughter, that'll keep me awake, you know. So, you know, I turned it over there and listened to Jeff and Larry, and, and we laughed a while, and we drove a while, and, you know, we kept going. I was starting to get kind of sleepy, and then the sun came up and kind of woke up. Made my way on over to Winston, got there, and uh, I, I went there for a livestock show is what I went there for. A family that had bought some cattle from us was at this show, and one of us needed to be there. So we had a very successful day at the show. They won the show, won lots of banners, lots of prizes. Great day at the show. And I figured I'll get out of there about 2 in the afternoon or something. I'll get home, fairly decent time. It'll be, be good. I finally pulled out of the Winston about 4.15 that afternoon. Anybody remember what time it gets dark in January in New Mexico? About 5 o'clock, doesn't it? So I'm like, oh, my, this is going to be a tough one getting home. You know, since I you know, didn't get that extra three hours of sleep that I really wanted, remember back at the beginning? So I, bl- I head out of there, and in Carazos, I pull over, got to get some diesel and go in, caffeine up again. Turned to 63. You know, and I kept driving and kept going. And that last 10 miles getting into Roswell was getting pretty tough. Lots of head bobbing and, oh. 
hitting the, you know, the rumbles over there on the side every once in a while, you know, bobbing. said, man, so I pull over and rid of, or Roswell, more caffeine. Got to have more caffeine. Jeff and Larry, you got to do something funny here. We got to get this thing going. And finally, as I'm pulling out of Roswell, getting onto the on-ramp, the voice got louder. Instead of a quiet whisper, I said, turn it to 63. All right. Okay. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say 63? What station is 63 on Sirius Radio? The Message, which is Satellite Radio's version of Caleb. So I said, okay. So I finally, I turned it over there. One song in, I was wide awake. Two songs in, the radio was cranked up loud. I was singing. We were having a blast. We were talking. We were visiting. I mean, and we were singing. And here might be the real miracle out of the whole thing. The song Oceans came on. Oh, do you all know that song? One of my favorites. I love this song. And on your touch screen, it's got that little button over the little deal over there. It says replay, doesn't it? Okay. I said, I want to listen to that again. That was great. So, but anybody that knows me or been around me, you know, if I stick my hand out, you see it shakes. It always has, ever since I was in high school. I guess I listened to rock and roll music too loud or something. It fried my brain. I don't know. But I've always shook since I was in high school. Driving an F-350 four-wheel drive pickup down a New Mexico highway. What do you think the likelihood of me hitting this little replay deal on the touchscreen over here is? Not very good. Not very high. But I nailed it. Not only once, but three more times. And we sang, and we had a blast. And the next thing I knew, I was in Portales. I don't even know if I slowed down coming through Roswell. Evidently, I did, otherwise, because I didn't get a ticket, so I must have. But some of you are sitting there saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said he went by himself. What's this we business that he's talking about? Who is this we? We is Jesus. You know... The whole time, he was sitting there tapping on my shoulder. Turn it to 63. I want to visit with you. I want to talk to you. And I was like, nah, I got it. I can handle it. I've got this one. I don't need you today. And he kept tapping me on the shoulder. Until basically he had to more or less whack me upside the back of the head and tell me to change the station. And once I did, we had a fabulous time. So let me pose the question again to you. How many of you are stubborn, iron-headed, flat-out will not listen sometimes when it comes to Jesus? I just told you a story. Mine, I'm very much there. Before, because the 10 hours that I spent driving in that pickup that day, I finally listened to him the last two hours. I failed the test. He was trying to get me to talk to him for 10 hours that day. And all I was willing to do was two. And after those two, I sat there and said, oh, wow, did I miss an opportunity. Jesus was there. He was wanting to talk to me. But I thought I could handle it and I could do it my way. Anybody there? Anybody been there? We do it all the time, unfortunately. You know, and we, we come at the time of communion and, and we sit here and we think and, we, you know, 
about the sacrifice that he made, that he died on the cross and he rose again from the tomb. And Don's got a oh such a powerful message coming that y'all are going to get to hear. What would we do if he hadn't have done that? If he hadn't have done those things for me, I might not have made it home that night. Because somewhere between in the ditch between here and Roswell, I might have been laying because I went to sleep at the wheel. Instead, I finally listened to him, and we talked, and we had a blast. And some of you might be thinking, well, you know, you did hear all the caffeine this dude consumed. It had finally kicked in, finally. Maybe that's the deal. No, whenever I got home, I think I walked in the door, talked to him five or ten minutes, went straight to bed, and boom, I was out like a light. It was 100% Jesus and the power that he gave me that night. And he's here to give it to every one of us. And if you've accepted Jesus into your life, he's here for you. You just got to get, you got to listen. You got to let him take control sometimes. And if you're sitting there thinking, man, I wish I could have that conversation. I wish I could visit with him like that. I wish I could have that relationship. Don't leave here if you haven't. If you haven't made that, that connection, don't leave here without doing it. Come see Don. Come see Franklin. Come see Marie. Suzanne. Come see me. Because God is so powerful. He's so powerful in what He can do in your life. Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to you, as always, I praise you and I thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the power that you give us. The resurrection. Wow. That you took our sins from us. That you died for us. You did that for us. That is just awesome, Father. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you for those online, Father, that we've come to remember you and remember what you were about and what you did for us. I lift everyone in the room up to you that you give them health, Father. We're praying for that rain. We know it's coming. You're going to replenish your earth. You always have. As we go forth, let us do your work in the way that you want it to be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
a lot of Bible characters that we know their names, they don't talk very much. Korah and his sons were worship leaders, wrote a lot of psalms, but we never hear them speak. Uh, people like the woman caught in adultery, she hardly said a word. The, the boy that fell out of the window when Paul was preaching all night long, we never hear him talk. Philemon, Timothy. You realize how much of the New Testament talks about Timothy, but he doesn't, we don't hear him talk very much at all? Bartholomew, Thaddeus, people that were a part of the Twelve. We don't hear their commentary. There were a lot of followers. There were a lot of people that were around Jesus. that They didn't talk very much, but they had a lot to say. We're in this series called I Am. We're looking at the characters of the Passion Week. And the I in this series is you and I. And if you've missed any of this, we invite you to go back and listen to it on our website. And, and listen to some of these characters. Nicodemus, Peter, Judas. Because this crazy Passion Week, the, the town is overrun. There's people everywhere. There is energy everywhere. There is a mob mentality everywhere. And then there's this preacher, this do-gooder Jesus that keeps healing people and blessing people. And he comes into town, and this city is electric. I want us to see ourselves in this story, in the characters in this story, and today specifically in one man, a man who never says a word but plays a very important part, his name, Barabbas. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 27, and uh, uh, we want, invite you to join us there. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll uh, open it up. If you're online, I hope you'll get it, a Bible. We are a Bible-believing church and a Bible-using church. If you don't have a Bible, I'll get you one, so let's all lift them up, make sure we all got them. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you're joining us on the radio, on uh, online, Matthew chapter 27 Thank you for being with us today. Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner to the crowd, anyone they wanted. This year, there was a notorious prisoner, a man named Barabbas. As the crowds gathered before Pilate's house that morning, he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pause for a second. Many of your versions, and specifically older versions, have the name Jesus Barabbas or Jesus the Messiah. They both have that surname there. Pick up with me in verse 18. He knew very well that the religious leaders had arrested Jesus out of envy. Just then, as Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent him this message. Leave that innocent man alone. I suffered through a terrible nightmare about him last night. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the leading priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be released and for Jesus to be put to death. So the governor asked again, which of these two do you want me to release to you? The crowd shouted back, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? They shouted back, crucify him. Why, Pilate demanded, what crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. Pilate saw that he, was getting, he wasn't getting anywhere with the people and that a riot was developing, so he sent for a bowl of water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. The responsibility is yours. And all the people yelled back, we will take responsibility for his death. We and our children 
So Pilate released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. The story of Barabbas is actually shows up in all four Gospels, but with various details. In Matthew, we hear him called a notorious prisoner. In the Mark and the John version, he's called a robber. In some versions, he's called an insurrectionist. We don't find out much about him in Scripture except what we just read there. It is only through historians like Josephus that we find out he was probably a murderer for hire. That he was a rioter. He started riots. He's, he was an insurrectionist. And he was a Jewish prisoner, so he did this against his own people. The term we would use today, terrorist. That's exactly what he did. He got his message across his own way. He, people weren't responding to the messages. Last week we talked about Judas being a zealot. And they wanted a political overthrow of the government. And, and so there is good cause to believe that he was a zealot. You're not doing it my way. So he, he, he used violent means to get his way. Why then would a crowd, a Jewish crowd that saw Jesus heal people, a crowd that had waved palm branches just a few days earlier, why would they choose him over Jesus? You see, the choice they made that day represents a fundamental decision you and I have. Peace or violence. In a, in a shorter version, self or serve. You see, when Jesus came along, he said, I'm giving you a new command, love one another. I want you to love other people. I want you to care about other people. But Barabbas comes in and says, I want you to do it my way. I want you to do everything my way, and if you don't like it, I'm going to knock you off, okay? So we get to choose which one are we going to be, self or serve. Now, you might be sitting there, well, Don, does that mean we, we don't get to have an opinion? We never vote? No, by no means. But we've got to decide, are we going to follow Jesus of Nazareth, who point, puts others first, or Barabbas, who point, puts self first? Does that make sense? And I want to pose a statement to you today that the gap between what we know and what we apply seems to widen all the time. The knowledge versus the application. And I can prove it in this way. Do you realize in America every year there are 600,000 bypass surgeries? 600,000 bypass surgeries, and every single one of them gets the exact same speech that you've all heard, right? Uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta quit smoking, and you gotta quit drinking, and you gotta quit eating all that bad food, you gotta exercise a little bit, you gotta take care of yourself. 600,000 times this speech is made every year, and yet data will show us that within two years, 90% of those bypass patients have made zero major life changes. So we know it, but we're not doing it. We know all about how bad alcohol is, how bad smoking is, how bad DUI is. And we still hear people say, but it won't happen to me. I've got it handled. I can control it. Heard a story this week about two ladies that were friends that were meeting for coffee and catching up and hadn't seen each other in a while, so they were talking, what have you been up to? Well, I took, I've been taking a first aid training class. 
CPR and all of that stuff. And I've been learning all this. It's really been good. And the other girl said, wow, that's amazing. She said, yeah, it came in handy because just a couple of weeks ago, I was going to, uh, to, I was at a crosswalk and I was about to go. I pushed the little button and a car ran a red light, smashed into the other car. It was unbelievable. There was noise. There was glass everywhere. The bodies were out in the car. There was blood on the ground. I didn't know what to do, but I thought of my training. And she goes, what did you do? She said, okay, I went and I found a bench and I sat down and I put my head between my knees so I didn't pass out. What? You see, she missed the point of the training. The point was to help others. The point wasn't for self. Friends, God didn't go to all the trouble of the cross for it not to affect our behavior. You see, we know about the cross, and we know about Jesus, and we know Easter, but is it affecting us any way? Barabbas thought that his way, legalism, would fix everyone. If you were with us in our Wednesday class this week, we talked about legalism. And it's, at its end, it is selfishness. It's saying, I don't need the cross. I can fix me on my own. And he thought his way was best. But his way was leading to death. Let me pose you something oddball here. What if, what if that middle cross was intended for Barabbas? We don't know, but what if it was? What if they already had the holes dug? What if they had the wood made? What if they already had it prepared because he was on death row? Now, Scripture tells us that Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Well, some versions in Matthew say he was, tra- he was crucified between two revolutionaries. What if they were pals of Barabbas? And they still got the death penalty, but Barabbas got out. Did you know that if Jesus would have come five years sooner, we always talk about how great God's timing is. You realize if Jesus would have come five years sooner, we would not have had this scene? Because it was about, uh, up until that point, if the Sanhedrin wanted to execute Jesus, they would have just done it. If Sanhedrin wanted to execute Barabbas, they would have just done it. But about five years prior, Rome had removed the authority for Jewish people to commit executions. They needed Pilate's approval. The, the Jewish people needed Pilate's approval to crucify Jesus or Barabbas or the criminals. They couldn't do it on their own. And one of the biggest parts of the story of Barabbas that we need to get is not that he was released, but Barabbas was exchanged. I've read several things in recent weeks that say, Barabbas got a pardon. No, he didn't get a pardon. All right? He got somebody that stepped in and took his penalty. Barabbas' sin resulted in the death penalty. And that was the correct call. That was exactly what should have happened. He was a thug. He was a horrible person. He was, that was the right call. But Jesus was put in his place. He was exchanged for him. Jesus paid the debt of Barabbas. And it is in just that moment that I become Barabbas. Did you hear the lyrics of the song we sang? Trading your life for my offenses, for my redemption, you carried all the blame. When only love could make a way, you gave your life 
in a beautiful exchange. Jesus exchanged his perfection. The King James says, he imputeth unto us his righteousness. He poured it into us and he took our sin out and put it on him. Friends, the gap between what we know and what we apply widens and it needs to close in. For Easter to matter, our actions have got to prove our faith. We've got to back it up with how we act. A physics professor was teaching his class, and he was trying to teach the, the, uh, a thing called the law of the pendulum. It says that uh, when, when free-hanging weight swings back and forth, it will, it will do this shorter each time. And he said to prove it, he went and took a three-foot string and a little weight, and he pinned it right above the marker board. And he pulled it all the way back this way, and with a marker, he marked where it was, and he let it go. And when it swung and it went all the way out there, when it came back, he marked where it got to. And each mark was smaller. And he says the law states that a swinging pendulum will never again reach the point of the previous arc. And then he asked the question, do you believe that? They're like, yeah, whatever. Do you really believe that law? Yeah, whatever. Okay, I need a volunteer. So he gets a volunteer and one of the guys stands him up against his back against the wall and then he climbs up on a ladder. And in the ceiling he had hidden a big rope tied to a 20-pound barbell. He brings it down and he brings it all the way over there and he puts it right against the nose of this volunteer. And he restates the law. The law says that it will, not, it will not again get all the way to its original point. And he releases this huge weight and it swings way down and it swings all the way up and it swings all the way back over. And what do you think happened? Nothing happened. That guy ran. All right. Uh, hey, no dummy. I'm not, I'm not going to stand here and check you out here. But friends, I'm afraid some of us are that guy. Many have, many in the class stated they believed the law, but they weren't willing to put their money where their mouth is. Many of us state that we believe Jesus raised from the dead, but are we willing to be proved by our actions? Our faith is proven by our actions. You may say Jesus is Lord, but have you acted on it? And in that moment, I think of Barabbas. What is the rest of his story? Did he change? Did he realize how big that moment was? Do you realize we rarely know how big a moment is when it's happening? It's usually after the fact that we look back and go, oh, that was a pretty big deal. Did he know it? Did he get how big it was? Friends, I hope you were listening to Mike and I hope you're listening right now because God is speaking. He is speaking to somebody here and you don't need to miss this. If Jer- Jesus is serious about all of his action. We cannot separate our knowledge of God from our application of him to our neighbors. We, we cannot go with this, I go to church, I like God, I'm a good person. We cannot be that way anymore. It has to be seen in our actions. It has to be seen in our submission. Have we surrendered our lives to him in baptism, in, in commitment? Is, is he Lord of our family? You go, oh yeah, we go to church. That's not what I asked. Is he in control of your finances, your activities, your tongue? You see, when Jesus says, love people as I have loved you, it's that verse that Marie read earlier. 
It's in John 13, 34. When, when he says, love others as I have loved you, do you remember where he said that? What happened right exactly previous to that statement? Anybody remember? Is when he took off his robe and he got down on a knee and he, and he started washing feet. And he washed Judas' feet, knowing full well what he was about to do. And he washed Peter's feet, knowing full well what he was about to do. And then he stands up and he says, I want you to love others that way. I want you to put them above yourself. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, we got done with all this Lord's Supper. We got done with all of this Passover. So here's what, what, what I want you to do. I, I ordered a bunch of these bracelets. They say WWJD. I'm going to pass them out, and you all get a bunch of them, and you go pass them out to everywhere. We'll have a campaign, and, and by this, the world will know you are my followers. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, by your strict interpretation and exegesis of my every word, they'll know you are my followers. I want you to argue over little insignificant things. I, ignore the important stuff like serving and loving. You know, you need to argue about stuff. That is what will determine if you are a true follower or not. He didn't say, the world will know you are my disciples by your moral superiority and your self-righteous indignation. He didn't say, the world will know you're my followers by your bumper stickers and your social media posts. He didn't say, Hey, you know what? If you could just work on that look, you know, that look that you're going to look down on somebody when, when they've been at, uh, you know, they went out on Friday night and they went to a party and they come to work and they're telling you about it. Could you work on that look that you give them that look? And, and if you could add to it a sigh, you know, a, a huffy breath sigh. Because that's what needs to happen. Anytime somebody does something wrong, I need you to give them that look. And then I want you to sigh of derision, because that will straighten them right out. Folks, I hope you hear my sarcasm. I, if you don't, I'll put the big sign up. That was sarcasm. What he's trying to say is, love them as I love you. Not whether they're worthy of it or not. Not whether they deserve it or not. Love others the way I love Barabbas. In 2006, a guy named Hemant Meta sold his soul on eBay. Not even making this up. He is a writer and an author and a podcaster named The Friendly Atheist. He's still podcasting. I looked him up this week. He put it on eBay. He would sell his soul to anybody, and he would do whatever you wanted. Uh, and then he really made it kind of churchy. He was trying to do something for his podcast. He said, you buy my soul, I'll come to your church and I'll hear your whole spiel. So a guy in Seattle, Washington named Jim Henderson bought it for $504. And he went up there and he, and he met him and they visited and they became friends. And he gave him a challenge. And he ended up writing a book called I Sold My Soul on eBay. And for four years, he went to four different states and 49 churches. Lots of denominations, lots of backgrounds. He heard it all. And he said, I learned a lot. And he said some really interesting things, but there was one thing in there that stung me. He said, not one time in any of the 49 churches did anyone initiate a conversation about faith with me. Now, he said, people were nice. They were real kind. They were, uh, they were welcoming. There were a lot of people that were really nice. Some looked at me as a project. 
But nobody really initiated conversations of faith. And that stung. And I, I thought about us here, and I said, you know, we're pretty loving, and we're pretty welcoming, I hope, and we're kind, I hope, and we do a lot of projects. But are we loving others as He loved those guys? Pointing them to Jesus. Not just inviting to church, not just doing nice things, but pointing to Jesus. We don't have one recorded word of Barabbas. No evidence that he even encountered Jesus. Some say they were both on the stage at the same time. Who knows? We don't know. We weren't there. There's no word on what happened after. He was free. How did he react? And what if those other two guys on the crosses were his buddies? He, got, he walked away. They died. How, would he, how did he react? Did he go, woohoo, and he run back to his thug buddies? Or did he go down to the bar and celebrate? Or did he stand off and watch? Friends, the reason I ask that question is you have the same choice today. You are Barabbas. You deserve the death penalty. And he took your place. He gave his life in a beautiful exchange. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved it is the power of God. Just like Barabbas, we have got to choose a side. Friends, the gap between what we know and what we apply has got to close. Now many are like Barabbas and like Mike suggested today. It's my way. I know what's right and I'm running things. Is that you? Or are you willing to surrender? What if we listened to our Savior more? What if we loved like our Savior did more? What if, he, what if we told more people about how He has changed us? The knowledge of the resurrection, the knowledge of Easter should not be one day. It should be a mindset change. It changes our actions. Evan Hart uh, is widely regarded as the last survivor of the uh, Titanic. He rode in lifeboat number 14. Um, most of you know the story. Most of you know what happened. I'm not going to sing the song. Uh, uh, most of you have seen the movie. We, if you haven't, spoiler alert, ship goes down. Okay. Um, but most of us know the story of the Titanic, that it was uh, grossly underprepared. There were only 20 lifeboats on this whole uh, ship. And uh, uh, the saddest part was most of them were less than half full. Evan, in his, his book, he wrote uh, that they were scared to go back because they were afraid that when they, they heard the voices and they heard all those people, there were so many of them that they would overwhelm the boat and they'd all die. So they didn't go back. Friends, Jesus went back for Barabbas. He went back for you. He went back for me. He went to the cross and He walked out of that tomb to give us hope. The cross was the moment when the world became a different place. And it needs to be a different place in you. When you look in the mirror, do you see Barabbas? Do you see Peter? Do you see Judas? Because I want to see Jesus. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. 
Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.